Welcome to the Apollo Leaguers series, a podcast that helps you learn from those who have become directly involved with exciting businesses in their early growth stage listed on the Apollo League. Handing you over to the host, Simon Ward. So welcome, Andrew McClockney. Um, thanks for talking with us this morning. Oh, thank you, Simon. Thank, looking forward to the opportunity. So I've got, uh, I'd like to open up with a, an interesting question. So how does a guy who um, starts off as a winemaker um, end up in business? Tell us about, um, you, you know, the, the, the um, beginnings of your career because I, I see from your uh, profile that you, you started off making wine at one of the best vineyards in Australia, which is Mount Langy-Jaran. Uh, it's fascinating mm. beginning to your career. Yeah, well, I was happily winemaking, actually, and what happened is that um, while I was... At Lange, we grew enormously. We grew fivefold in five years, and uh, and there was some clear need for additional management skills. And so, what I did is I went back to school. Um, so, as uh, with with the blessing of, of uh, the, the boss, and went to, went to Melbourne Business School uh, to do my MBA. Um, so that was with the intent of going back to Lange and and to do. You know, sort of help the business grow over time because it was a was a rapidly growing business at the time. While I was studying, um, the business was sold, and so the partner, um, the, the primary partner, had uh, sort of some personal issues um, and personal circumstances. Sorry, I might say that again. So the the major partner had some personal circumstances, which uh, meant that he had to exit the business and it was bought by the Rathbone Wine Group. Um, so as part of that discussion, um, there was a sort of clear um, understanding that sort of there was what I was looking to do um, as part of you know, coming back to Langi was really being covered by some of the, uh, the existing management of the time. So I went off and I did some, some other things. Um, I sold wine in India. I had five guys running around India um, selling wine to five-star hotels for a period of time with one of the MBA cohort. Um, I That morphed into a contract role at um, Foster's Wine Group, which was the precursor of Treasury Wine Estates. And I went in there for a couple of months to help them with some project work. And that ended up being a number of years um, and I after sort of a couple of career changes I ended up looking after the bulk wine and fruit sourcing uh, requirements for the business which was the second largest winery in the world at the time so it was it was quite an exciting time it was quite uh, so you ended up general manager of global supply risk for Foster's and you were there for four years which was was interesting was correct yep. was there uh, was there much um I guess, interest in the Internet of Things, which is where you're working at the moment uh, back in those days, or was that still um, science? No. What, what it was, th there was certainly some interest uh, from a production perspective around, you know, control systems and, and those sorts of things. Um, vineyards were, there was um, quite a lot of work going into vineyards with um, what was called precision agriculture back then. Um, and so you're looking at, 
you know, sp spraying, um, looking at um, irrigation, looking at getting generating data so weather stations were, were fairly large and decision-making, deci data-driven decision-making and, and the Foster's VITI team were very proactive. They had a, a very strong research team, um, act, a proactive research team uh, based out of McGill and I used to work very closely with that, with that team. Yeah, I can imagine um, actually winemaking the... It would make sense to have, you know, control sensors and, and data feeding in given you've got, um, you know, one one vintage a year and I suppose huge risks around weather and rain and um, and sun as well. So, um, you know, you were involved in setting systems up where you that would use that data to to enable um, management to to optimise. Uh, so, yeah, we, we certainly we certainly used to leverage... Um, data and analytics very, very heavily. I mean, we had a, a um, situation where we were managing um, some legacy issues and during one of the vintages um, became apparent that instead of being um, in a surplus position, we were actually, the, the vintage coming up was going to be very short. Um, and so, and we, we had, because of our, our systems, because of the analytics and you know, the information we had coming in, we, we picked that early. Um, and, I mean, it wasn't, it was the team that, I, that video team that I was talking about before, you know, the, the intelligence that was coming in from a range of different sources, including you know, things like bunch numbers um, in actually that are, that are going to grow into bunches of grapes. And so very, very early stage counts. And we successfully delivered the volume that we um we required to meet the demand for for the business um in an environment where everybody else was short so wow. so that sort of analytics um is as it was always been involved in, in analytically based environments you know sort of and that that was uh, that was a a really big win um for the business actually that's fascinating isn't it and then from there, you, you ended up at, um, at Coles after four years at, um, at Foster's. So tell us about um, what you did there and, and how, how it came to be that you moved from, from Foster's into, into Coles. Well, well, Foster's pulled apart the global structure when they're looking to demerge. And so the, the team that I was in, um, the global planning team, was essentially expanded and went back to regional teams. Um, so I exited the business along with a number of my colleagues at that time. I then went off and built um, the software that I really wished I had, had while I was doing the job. And that um, led to con um, consulting into, into industries as disparate as um, sales and operations planning through to um, acute healthcare planning. So we built a, a planning and forecasting system for hospitals while i was doing that a a uh, an ex mba um sort of Melbourne business school um colleague contacted me and said he's going into coles um as part of the digital team um what was called direct and was basically all non-store sales for coles liquor and um, coles is the second largest like a retailer in Australia at the time. Um, so I had brands, vintage sellers, First Choice and Liquorland. 
as well as a range of different um, loyalty, so flybys and some other other smaller stuff. Um, so I got asked to come in and, and be part of the operations for that team. Uh, so I lead the lead the sales and operations for that team. Um, wasn't something that I was planning to do. It was sort of something that I was asked to come in and, and join, and uh, was was a really interesting experience because it was it was very very it was again data driven, um, highly analytic environment, and we we built some really interesting things. We delivered uh, some some good results. Um, the the business. Um, so we turned um, sort of you know, the, the sales um, for my team uh, for the strongest channel grew 25% in just over 12 months from a situation where they were at best stagnant. Um, so it was it was good fun. It was, it was getting that getting that built and uh, working with the team was was fantastic and being able to leverage the the data and insight that you've got with with being part of a larger organisation like Coles. Um, so you can actually provide offers back to people that, that really resonated with them. And, and that was pretty clear that it worked because people started buying from us. Fantastic. And from there, um, your career started to focus more heavily on the Internet of Things and um, Correct. how, how um, the connection of physical devices and sensors to, to the web um, can empower decisions based on analytics. So, um, you know, I, I guess just we'd, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on how, you know, the, the future of Internet of Things and why it's important because um, a lot of people out there that are listening to this mightn't understand or know much about it and it's a highly specialised um, uh, part of the, the, uh, the technology space at the moment. So, you know, what is the future of IoT and why is it important in your mind? Oh, look, I think that the most important, you know, there are two things that are, that are most important and sort of certainly um, front of mind for me. Firstly is that there's an expectation that we'll do more with, with less, with, with, with less human interaction, with less um, delay, so what you'll have is a situation where things things will just happen, and you, know, you see that as part of the um, the wider ecosystem now, where you know many many moons ago um, to connect to the internet, you had to have a dialer and you had to have a series of pieces of software to to connect. Now you just turn on your phone, and so those. That, that is continuing to grow and, and what we're looking to do, what people, what needs to happen is that um, the, the requirement for, for humans, the requirement for people um, has, to, has to go away. You don't, particularly in a post-COVID environment, you don't want to be putting people uh, where people shouldn't, doesn't, don't need to be. The, the second thing you do is it actually opens up opportunities to be very very efficient with your use of resources and sustainability is a is a key theme at the moment you know globally we know that we live within a, a an environment where resources are finite and it makes perfect sense to take every opportunity to 
reduce the uh, amount of resources that you require. And so by being proactive about maintenance, by understanding you know, how, how you're using your resources, you can identify ways to, to minimise those and, and be much more efficient and you know, get better results for us as a society. And I think that that over time is, is going to be, you know, there's a key driver. And that's why you see use cases in agriculture where you look at you know, reducing the amount of inputs into agriculture and getting more out of um, the uh, out of our growing with with fewer people um, with healthcare. You know, sort of identifying ways to provide better healthcare to to patients, and you spend less time in hospital, you get better results. And so, the Internet of Things is is a key enabler to be able to provide this. Fantastic. And you've, you've gone from, I suppose, a large, large a history of working with large businesses to working in a small business now um, that specialises in the Internet of Things, which is IoT stream. And interested to hear more about what attracted you to that business. And I guess also for our listeners, a little bit about what IoT stream have managed to build and why, why it's potentially... Um, going to change the landscape a bit here in the IoT space. Also, so the thing that really attracted me was was the opportunities. And I've, I've been involved in different um, different sort of Internet of Things verticals, so looking at different use cases. And what I found is that it's it's there's, there's great opportunities to go out and solve genuine problems. And having... Um, a core platform which IoT Stream does, where you can say, okay, we, we can provide the um, the capability to solve business problems that people have, and we can work with them um, to make their businesses stronger. It's is really really exciting. I know I um, the IoT Stream over the last five years have built a, a very very strong robust powerful platform which enables us to bring in data from a range of different um, sources. We really consider it, what we're providing is, is Internet of Things as a service. So we can work with customers to work out what their business problems are and how can we provide solutions that help them grow their businesses over time. And, and what I'm finding is that when I'm talking to people, it's, um, they, they understand that. The, internet, the IoT has been sort of something that has been highly technical for a long time and a lot of the, the issues around that have been well and truly investigated and, and to a certain extent have been solved. So around getting devices connected and, and getting information from around for different uh, use cases. But... What we now need to do is to work out how we can turn that into into sustainable business use cases. So, so people, how, how people turn it into money for them. Yep, very interesting. And I guess one of the criticisms that I've uh, that we've heard, for, for, you know, for IoT as a as a space, is just that it, it's slow and expensive to deploy. 
um, solutions for customers that are looking at doing uh, something using an IoT solution. So um, what, you're, what you guys have built here is, I understand it, a lot quicker and a lot less expensive. So rather than it being a you know, massively time-consuming um, and expensive process, you're sort of trying to bring the costs um, down and increase the, the speed of delivering the service as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's very, very important. And it means that you've got an opportunity for smaller businesses to take advantage of the of this, um, whereas in many in, um, in many instances, it's been the larger businesses that, that have deeper balance, you know, stronger balance sheets, um, have built very big projects that take sort of 12, 18 months to, to deploy. Um, we're looking to both shorten the timeframe to, to delivery, but also be able to provide, to, to build um, solutions for smaller businesses. And we, we, we work with smaller businesses that are, are, are startups. Um, and we're working with you know, some very, some really exciting um, businesses that are coming from a problem and we provide a, uh, a solution to them to help them build up their business from, from an idea, from a concept. Fascinating. And, and I guess just another, um, another follow on to that. So you, you've been a, a career senior manager and employee and um, what are your, you've moved to a different sort of uh, model here, which is to, through the Apollo League platform, find the right sort of position, the right opportunity, but also become a stakeholder in the business, a shareholder in the business by investing in it. And I'm interested to hear, you know, your views on um, on that as a move, how, um, you know, how you feel about senior managers in, in, um, in startups or early stage businesses, um, investing in them and being stakeholders in them, um, the model uh, around that and why you were attracted to it. So I think there, there are opportunities, as long as you're prepared to be an active participant um, and you know, you've got to be willing to come in and, and be very hands-on, um, it's coming into a smaller environment is, is invigorating. Um, you, you've got less, um, there's less sort of thing, the fewer things that slow you down um, about decision-making and about deploying. And if you're going to get involved in something um, that you, you truly believe in, then being able to share in the upside and being able to invest in is, is you know, exactly where you want to be. Um, the, what you have as a, coming in through sort of something like an Apollo League is that you have a, an opportunity to get in it at an early stage. I mean, the IoT stream is a, is a scale-up environment. You know, it's, it's past the startup now. It's sort of, we're looking to growth. And I'm very, very excited to be able to sort of share in that, both deliver and share in that, uh, in that growth. And the Apollo League process where you sort of say, okay, looking for people who can come in and provide sort of backgrounds from relatively senior positions and understand what is required for success at scale 
means that you can come in and put structures in place, start making good decisions, hopefully good decisions, um, from, from day one where you, where you identify where we need to be and, and move quickly. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm real genuinely excited. I think it's been, been a very good process and I'm grateful for the, the, the uh, that it's actually in, in place. You're actually first CEO placement, so it's a it's a it's a big moment for the platform as well. And uh, um, you know we were, we were we were really excited to sort of see someone of your caliber connect with a business in, that had such a niche um, set of requirements. So it's it's it's, it's going to be interesting. And I guess the other thing about um, what you're doing here, in a sense, do you feel like that you're backing yourself? So if you're going to invest in a business. Um, mm-hmm. And you're working in the business. You sort of alluded to it in your last answer. You know, there's an element, is there not, of backing your own judgment, backing your ability to deliver, um, and therefore you've got to be confident if you get involved that you can execute a plan um, in and around. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I've been involved in a number of startups um, from concept conceptual onwards, um, and you know. I was. I'm involved in a. Have been involved in a um, startup incubator as a as a mentor, and you see a lot of business plans and you see a lot of you know, sort of opportunities and um, being able to look at something. So okay, this is this is exciting. This is um, something which is has all the structures in place ready to grow. Is is awesome and. The backing yourself thing is a, is just a natural extension of that. I think where you say, "Okay, look, it's it's it'd be great to be part of this." Um, so let's let's jump in. Fantastic, and, and you, you've been in the role now for I think about four four to five weeks. Is that right? Correct. Yep. And how are you finding it? Um, really good, actually. I've, I've been surprised how how much has been. Has, has been in place already. Um, it was I knew, knew you know, you do a lot of due diligence when you're coming in, but but things are uh, the the opportunities are are definitely there. The conversations I'm having with potential customers and, and existing customers have been very very good. Um, we have a number of really exciting opportunities, um, both from larger scale organisations um, and smaller. Uh, businesses that um, we're, we're aggressively pursuing at the moment and one of the things I'm sort of acutely conscious of at the moment is, is how I'm going to manage all the opportunities that are coming in front of me so a nice problem. That's to good to hear oh well look thanks Andrew um, for, for taking the time to, to chat with us today you know we really want to be able to share content with um, that system about you know, the journey of a, of, a, of a candidate like yourself going through the Apollo process, finding their mission and, um, and partnering with, you know, a business that, that you know, they can help grow that, that needs their skills as well. So what I'd love to do is um, keep the conversation going and if possible, check, check back in with you and, and have another interview in six months' time and, and, you know, we can share with our listeners you know, how, how it's all going because it sounds like you, you're going to have uh, a very busy but a really fantastic uh, few months ahead. So we wish you all the best and thanks for uh, being a part of this interview today. Uh, thank you very much, Simon. It's been, I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been, been an interesting uh, interesting chat and I'm certainly very happy to come back in six months and uh, hopefully tell you some, some of our successes. 
Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Apollo Leaguers. Be sure to tune in for our next Leaguer interview. And until then, keep on learning.